Hoop 7 proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hoops Heavens Basketball Hustle and plenty to talk about once again this week. It was a, a huge a huge round three in the NBL. Massive upset in Perth with the Cairns Taipans coming coming to town and, and recording the biggest ever win at RAC Arena. We saw the Adelaide 36ers catch fire. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix keep winning. The New Zealand Breakers, Melbourne United kept losing. So plenty to talk about before we get into all of that. Time to introduce my co-host and the man that you're all here to listen to. He doesn't need an introduction, but if you do want one for him, this man played 393 NBL games, six-time club MVP at the Perth Wildcats, four-time championship winner in the NBL. He went to the Olympics to play for Australia. Sean Redditch, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mikey. I'm looking forward to it. It's been a big round and uh, exciting week of basketball ahead. Now, you've been busy as well. Your your coaching career through Redditch Basketball is starting to really take off. You've got a lot of exciting things happening happening at the moment. Um, you're pretty busy at the moment too. Can you talk us through what you've been through in the in the last week or so? Look, Pike, I'm a basketball junkie. If I'm not watching it, playing it, coaching it, you know, I've got my son's team playing on a, on a Saturday morning, training them. We've got uh, hundreds of kids going through our schools program and uh, working with the Perry Lakes Hawks, doing some elite development with them. So it's a lot of fun, a lot of basketball. Wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely, and I don't think it's I don't think it's a surprise to anybody to hear that you're a, basket, a basketball junkie. And some of the men that we talked that I've spoken to for this week's show, I'll, I'll get into it now and and get your thoughts. First up was Mike Kelly, Cairns Taipans coach, and somebody who. I spoke to him about it. In a lot of ways, he had a similar journey to you. I don't know if you've ever sort of looked at it that way, but I know that California's not quite Nebraska, but both of you had to come to Australia to play as an import in a, in lower leagues. You obviously did it in the Siebel, and, and Mike started doing it in the, in the New South Wales State League before he even got to the got to the Siebel. And in the end, you, you've both become naturalised Australians. You've both found your home in Australia, and, and you've both both become, you know, greats of Australian basketball. When you think of Mike Kelly, what sort of springs to mind? Look, everyone that I've talked to that's played against Mike Kelly has just said he's a tough-as-nails competitor. Mm. And uh, and I think you're right. Just there's something about having to grind your way through kind of the minor leagues, as you would say, second division, state leagues, to get up to that NBL. And, and when you get your opportunity, you just try and make the most of it. And, uh, you know, I think he's done that. Um, obviously now now a coach, but uh, a great competitor and, and one of those guys that uh, I guess has kind of paved the way for, for myself and others that have kind of had to, uh, I guess, go with the hard way. Would you still say that if he, if you found out that he's going to call you a flopper later in the show? <laughs> I'm sure that's not the first time we're going to hear that on this show. So let's just get it out of the way and uh, and we can talk some basketball. Another man we're going to hear from today, a man that your career ran parallel with for, for most of it. You had a lot of great battles with him. And, and that semifinal series back in 2017 when you played Cairns, knowing that both you and Mark Worthington were heading into retirement, was was an amazing sight and that farewell that that he got at RSA Arena was was incredible. I'm sure you've got a lot of thoughts that spring to mind when you think of, of Mark Worthington, but what are, what are some of the some of the some of the first ones? 
Well, look, I think Mark Worthington, for myself personally, made me a better player. I mean, mm-hmm. he was kind of the barometer in the league at that four spot, and I enjoyed the challenge. And, you know, when you're working out in the offseason, you're thinking about going up against the, the best players in the league, Micah Bacona and Mark Worthington, and you knew you were going to have to be beyond to uh, be able to compete with those guys. So, yeah. Uh, you know, for him, he was, he, was, he was the ultimate competitor, one of those guys you, you want to, on your team. And, and I saw that when I played with him on the Olympics. You know, he was willing to do uh, anything, whether it be the dirty work and, you know, give a, a little cheap shot to, to uh, Kobe Bryant to try and get him off his game. Or, you know, he was a, a skilled player as well. So one of those guys, an uh, ultimate competitor out there in the NBL landscape. If you end up playing in the SBL again, next season and if you do I assume it'll be back at the Perry Lakes Hawks what's it going to be like seeing Mark Worthington on on the bench coaching the Southwest Slammers that will be a little bit different uh you know obviously I haven't made my mind up hmm. uh about next season I kind of take it day by day sure. but uh you know credit to him it's great to see him uh back in Bunbury in his hometown and hopefully he can bring some excitement to uh Bunbury basketball and uh, just a fantastic to have a, a caliber player, and, and I imagine he's going to be just as good a coach um, knowing him mm. and, and the way he's going to have his teams competing. And last up on today's show, the fourth quarter segment, your fourth quarter segment, which for the second time I've already had to step into, Adam Ford, a man who was part of four championships at the Perth Wildcats as an assistant coach. He's gone to the Sydney Kings now. He's done things the hard way to be able to earn a living as a coach. What was it like for you to work with, with 40 of the Wildcats? Uh, 40 was 40 was awesome he you know just one of those guys that uh he, he loved basketball as well and uh really really detailed oriented so he would give us a lot of stuff in film but also just a a great guy to have around your team as well the stories he would give us uh, you know he's he's kind of got an untraditional path into being an nbl coach working in a prison yeah. for so many years and just a great storyteller as well so yeah, I think there was a lot of players sad that he left the Wildcats, and I'm sure uh, the Kings are, are benefiting from his experience. Let's get into talking about the NBL, Sean. It was a, an incredible round three. There was there was a whole heap to talk about. What stood out to you when you you had a look back on last weekend's action? Well, the Cairns Taipans ruining my perfect record to start <laughs> the, the season. Yep. I think I was undefeated you at were. that point, and then they just came in to RAC Arena and laid the biggest whooping the Wildcats have seen uh, at that arena since uh, since their first game there. Yep. So uh, credit to uh, the Kansas Taipan shows what this league is about and, and how close the competition is. A team that no one thought was going to come come in, get a win, let alone have a 20-point win mm. is, uh, is pretty incredible, and credit to them. They played fantastic. Let's get into some of the results quickly. We'll, we'll run through last week's matches. And, and all, all thanks to Hoops Heaven, we'll, we'll do the, the round, round three recap. If you want to check them out, hoopsheaven.com.au or head into their store if you're in Perth on, on Murray Street. You'll find everything you need basketball-wise there, thanks to Jason and his team. Started on, on Friday with the, with the first game, Sean, at... The Sydney Kings, 96-91 winners over the New Zealand Breakers. The Kings stayed. We'll probably do both these games. They played twice this weekend, and then they backed it up on on Sunday in Auckland as well. And the Kings won that game, 76 to 66. What did you What did you make of those two games between the Kings and the Breakers? I think it's probably just two teams. Sydney was just so much experience. Obviously, without Kevin Lish, um, they got 
Didi Lozada back mm. uh, later in the uh, in the round. So it, it was a, it was a great wins by Sydney. You know, it wasn't they didn't dominate the game, did enough to win, and it probably just shows the the class between those teams at the moment. I think New Zealand new coach and and trying to find their feet with a lot of young players is. Uh, it's a good experience for them because they're probably playing against the top team in the competition. It's going to hold them well over the next few weeks, I'd imagine, but not great when you start 0-2. The two biggest talking points probably out of those games were, firstly, I think Sydney, like you talked about last week, I think they they continue to prove that they're by far the best defensive team in the competition. And and what were your thoughts when you found out that Brandon Ashley was wearing number 23, CJ Bruden's number on, on Sunday? Well, that's an interesting one because uh, C.J. Bruins obviously got his his uh, number retired yeah. there. Yeah, sure so uh, I'm not sure if they were uh, – maybe the new owners are not hmm. um, taking that. Maybe. But, <laughs> that C.J. Bruins yeah. number was retired. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm just not sure, how, new. not sure how that single even gets printed. If you want a blood jersey, how is it – how do you get a blood jersey that's a, a retired player? I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I think that was probably one that just got uh, passed through and yeah. and really and and maybe it's a case of you know the new ownership group. Not a lot of people there from C.J. Bruton's era, mm-hmm. and uh, and also I guess the era of the New Zealand Breakers Championship. So well, t- it's a the uh, captain. You know, Tom, Tom, um, you'd think the captain Tom Abercrombie would have would have been well aware. I don't think it holds them in stone when they go up against Brisbane next. I think CJ might have a little extra <laughs> yeah, scout absolutely. for New Zealand this year. Then later on, later on Friday night, you touched on it before. The Cairns Taipans, ninety-nine to seventy-six winners over the Wildcats. The Taipans hadn't won a game before that, but they came in and, like you said, record-winning margin at RAC Arena for for an opposition team. They shot the lights out from three. Cam Oliver, Majuk Deng, and Scott Machado were fantastic, but. From a Perth point of view, they ended up with 27 offensive rebounds for the game. They took 18 more shots, six more free throws, and they lose the game. What what did you come away feeling about about the game? Cairns played fantastic, and they shot the ball really, really well. I thought Perth's defense wasn't very active. I mm. thought they were a bit passive. Not the the Wildcats team you probably defensively that you've been accustomed to over the last few years. And uh, and then they just weren't hitting shots. You know, Bryce Cotton was on fire in that first quarter. Yep. And they really didn't go back to him. And uh, and yeah. I think it cost him. When they tried to go back to him in that third quarter, it looked like he was a little bit cold and wasn't able to produce as he normally is. Mm. So credit to Cairns. They shot the ball. And sometimes it's just a case of that. You shoot the ball really well. You feel confident. Then everyone else is feeling confident. And Cairns uh, played their best game of the season by far. Absolutely. Saturday, Adelaide Entertainment Centre, first ever time for that venue to host an NBL game, and the 36ers, I guess, I guess, did what everybody there was was hoping they did. Seven seven and a half thousand people turned turned up, and they played they played really well. 104 to 98 winners over the Brisbane Bullets, and probably the usual cases with Daniel Johnson playing well, but. The number of contributors that the 36ers had was probably the, the the key to that, and they they sent that big crowd crowd home happy. Well, yeah, you knew Joey Wright was going to have his his group ready to play. Um, I just thought they they came out played well. Obviously, said significant contributions across the board, and uh, it's great to see the entertainment center packed out. I just kind of wonder 
why Adelaide hasn't gone to that earlier. I mean, yeah. it's, it looks like it's a, a good atmosphere in there. And uh, the, the way the NBL game is going, the, these teams are going to have to have eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000-seat arenas yep. to be able to compete. It looked great on TV too. It looks like a real, real a basketball stadium. It looks like you're going to a bigger, a big event now there. And yeah, like you said, it's not like it's a new venue, so they could have done it a lot earlier. But it looks like it's been the right decision now. Um, also, on well, and it's just a, it's a better location in Adelaide as well. Sure. I mean, their old, the old uh, stadium was kind of in the middle of a, a neighborhood almost, whereas yep. this one is, is, you know, close to the downtown. I think you look at what the Wildcats and what. RAC Arena mm. has done for, for that club, it's uh, hopefully bigger and better things for Adelaide as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities. I think you make a good point. Um, also on Saturday, South East Melbourne Phoenix, they just keep winning there. And they, if Sydney is the best defensive team right now, then the Phoenix are the best offensive team. They put up 106 points again to beat the Illawarra Hawks 102. Um, with Mitch Creek and John Robeson firing, they're going to be very tough to stop if, if those two can keep playing the way they are. I mean, John Roberson is having the three best games I've seen out of a debut. Yeah. I mean, the way he is shooting the basketball, he is Australia's version of Steph Curry. Yep. Well, he got five and nine again from three-point range. Just incredible. And it's not like he hasn't been scouted now. I mean, sure. after the first game, you might have said, oh, maybe, maybe the defense wasn't ready. No, everyone's got film. Everyone knows he can shoot, and they're still not able to uh, take it away from him. Then on Sunday, the Wildcats had to back up from from a really poor performance on Friday night. And then they head to Melbourne, take on Melbourne United, who had just come back from California. But they played pretty well in those two NBA games against the Kings and the Clippers. Um, I know jet lag may be a little bit of a factor, but you know, full credit to the Wildcats for backing up from what happened on Friday to find a way to get the job done. And, and Bryce Cotton just delivered the dagger, as we know that he's more than capable of doing. It's it's certainly not not a one-off for, for him. We've seen that seen that show before. Well, when even Bryce Cotton shoots a bad shot, it still banks in. That's the type <laughs> of player he is and, and, and the luck he, he's having and the luck the Wildcats are having against Melbourne United. They probably should have lost both mm. now, but they found a way, credit to them, they found a way to win. And um, Melbourne United's got to be feeling they played great over in the USA. Yep. Had a fantastic 35 minutes versus the Wildcats the first time. Looked like they were in the driver's seat of this game. Um, they've got to be wondering when they're going to all that uh, hard work is going to come to fruition. If you take the NBA games, they're sitting 0 and 5. So, mm-hmm. um, and that is a talented lineup. So I expect them to get on, on board pretty quickly, but not feeling good when you're going, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're sitting 0 and 3 at the start of the season. Last game of the round in Wollongong on Monday night. Adelaide backed up their win on Saturday. Another, another pretty solid performance 98 92 win. I think the 36ers are starting to click, and and the Hawks are, are probably they're just a little bit off the pace. They relied on Aaron Brooks a lot. He he did he did a terrific job. He scored 31 points, but they just they seem to be lacking that extra bit of bit of firepower beyond him. They are, and you know you expect they they got back in the game. Tim Conrad had a three to put him up by one. Yep. Um, and sometimes that's the difference in a game. Just one shot, one possession wasn't able to knock it down. And uh, you, you saw LaMelo Ball, you know, he's putting up fantastic numbers. Um, but sometimes you, you see the youth in his decision-making and shot selection. And, and I think that's kind of hurting the Hawks at times at the moment as well. Yeah, I think he went 2 of 12 from three-point range for the two games on the weekend. Maybe maybe he doesn't need to be shooting the three ball right now because he can do a lot of other things really well. 
Yeah, I think it's a it's a good point. It's something that he's going to have to evolve. And uh, sometimes when you're not at that level yet, you kind of got to put that shot on the back burner for the benefit of a guy like, say, Tim Conrad and the shooters around you. Let's get them. Let's get them shots as I'm working on my game. Absolutely. That, that's the round three recap done. Thanks to Hoops Heaven for supporting us here on, on Basketball Hustle. Before we move into move into our block of interviews for this week, Sean, a um, bit of news out of the, the Perth Wildcats in the last 24 hours with Paul Woolpert, the assistant coach, and, and Trevor Trevor Gleason's longtime right-hand man in a, in a couple of different stints. He's decided to, or he's had to move, move on to head back to the United States and and now there's three teams already in the first three weeks of the season that have that have lost an assistant coach. Yeah, we talked about this uh, in previous episodes and, and that we've never really seen this many assistant coaches leaving. Mm. Um, such a short time into a season. Usually it's something that happens in the off season. Obviously they've come out and said it's it's family reasons. So we hope we hope, you know, wish wish uh, Paul Wolpert's family all the best and um, it'll be interesting to see who they replace him with now. Um, obviously, that's a that's a big role. Matt Nielsen was there; he did a great job for a number of years with the Wildcats. So, all you know, we'll be interested to see. Could we see someone like Greg Heyer or something come into uh, assistant coaching role? I don't know. Well, the question I've been asked in the last twenty four hours, Sean, is there a chance Sean Reddish steps into that role? Oh, look, I haven't been contacted that by Perth, but, uh, you know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing at the moment. Obviously, I am a basketball junkie, but I'll leave uh, I'll leave that assistant coaching role <laughs> to uh, to some to someone else. And, uh, mm. you know, I, it, it's an important role for the Wildcats. Yeah, it's it someone, um, you know, and I think that's why Trevor went with someone he knew and trusted. So I'll, I'll be curious to see who uh, who steps into that role next. Longer term, do you see yourself coaching at NBL level one, one day down the track? I don't know. I, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, you know, obviously, I, I love the game and, and uh, very passionate about basketball. But we'll uh, we'll leave that one to to down the track. It's not something on my immediate radar. I would say at the moment. Well answered. But I was told to ask the question by a number of people. So for everybody curious about about Sean's future, there you go. Big thank you to Hoops Heaven for sponsoring that first segment. Fantastic support for our podcast here, Sean, ever since we we first floated the idea, like I touched on at the start of the show. Go to hoopsheaven.com.au or indeed visit their store if you're in Perth on Murray Street. You'll find everything you need in terms of basketball gear, shoes, clothes, everything, everything in between. Check them out on social media as well, hoopsheavenau on Instagram. Type in hoopsheaven on Facebook to find them. Just taking a quick look, there's there's some incredible new stock at Hoops Heaven as well. Some some James Harden's Adidas Volume Fours, the both the Pink Lemonade and the Barber Shop. Go and check them out. There's the Kyrie Flytrap Twos, KD12 YouTube shoes look fantastic. The PJ3 NASA shoes, those are those are some Nike shoes that definitely stand out to me. They look terrific. NBA season's now started. You can go get your. Your Ka- Kawhi Leonard or Paul George LA Clippers jerseys. You can you can find Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving's Brooklyn Nets jerseys. Of course, you can find all your Perth Wildcats gear. Um, there's there's certainly even RJ Hampton and, and Lamelo Ball gear in stock in terms of the the NBL NBL gear. Everything from Nike, Jordan, Adidas, Mitchell and Ness, New Era. Of course, the the first ever NBL gear. 
Hoop7, our major sponsor here on Basketball Hustle, and make sure you go and check them out. Now, Sean, time for our first interview of Hoop7's Basketball Hustle for, for this weekend. The the man of the moment, the coach of the moment, the Cairns Taipans, an unbelievable performance like we talked about earlier last Friday night to, to set a new record in terms of winning margin for an opposition team inside RAC Arena. First win of the season for the Taipans and, and Mike Kelly, second season as a head coach, but he has had a remarkable journey to this point, grew up in California, made the move out to, to Australia to first play for the Griffith Demons in the New South Wales State League in 1990 after a, a stint as an import in Taiwan. He would go on to play for the North East Melbourne Arrows, then the Ngunnawad Inspectors in the in the Seabull and eventually cracked it for, for an NBL opportunity. And he would go on to have, have a terrific career for, for, for a decade in the NBL at the South East Melbourne Magic, the Victoria Titans, Townsville Crocs, and then finally the Wollongong Hawks, Won a championship in 1996 with the Magic, then went straight into coaching. Had a stint at the at the Hawks straight after retiring there, and then he went back home for a little while to to the United States. Spent some time coaching at Vanguard University, then Utah University, and then it was Australia and the NBL that came calling again. He would join up with Sean Dennis at the Townsville Crocs, but then unfortunately the Crocs were no more. He went down to Melbourne, joined up with Melbourne United, ended up helping them win their championship two years ago, and that led to to where he is now, coaching the Cairns Taipans. It's a remarkable story for Mike Kelly. He's always terrific to talk to, always generous with his time, and I was able to catch up with him, and let's hope that you enjoy enjoy this chat now. Mike, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Um, second year now as a head coach. Um, do you feel like you're any different sitting here 12 months on from when you were a first-year coach? Does anything feel different, or... Or do you, do you feel very similar? You're just as desperate to get your team playing well and winning games. Does, does, does that part stay the same? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think competing-wise, you just always want to win. So you always get those butterflies to, to, to win the game. And, uh, and I just try to, myself, um, now that we've, we've lost our first three games, you know, um, even though... I try to stay on the steady and just, um, you know, not let things outside of our control with the team affect how we prepare and affect how we play and just believe in what we're trying to build here. Um, you still, you get more desperate when you have won a game. So uh, there's that edginess right now, um, which was very similar last year if, if we had lost games. Um, and uh, so there's some of the same stuff, but I think looking at it, I, I know from last year to this year, just staying true to what we're trying to do and compete is going to be the thing that helps us uh, get over the hump. Preparing for this season, was it different? Given you were already in charge of the team and then, I guess, late last season, you could already start preparing your off-season and the squad you wanted to see and then get ready for this season. I think it's different coming into a second season than they are coming into your first season in charge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, You know... One is just being settled in Cairns, more settled with the family. And so for me, having a, having a good base is really good, knowing the people in Cairns uh, better than I did when I first came in last year. And then having the time to, um, to build a roster and, uh, and maybe a little bit more knowledge on, on the league from a, from a personnel point of view and, and what I um, thought we needed. And uh, so, yeah, there's been a huge 
difference in this offseason to last offseason. And, uh, you know, hopefully the, the fruits of that labor will be seen. Speaking of that playing squad, very much a new team. You lose a fair bit of experience with your captain and vice-captain, obviously from last year with Alex Loudon and Lucas Walker. Um, did you bring in an experienced point guardian, Scott Machado, who in some ways replaces Melon Trimble, but he's a very different player, yep. and he's not a rookie, he's a, an experienced head. Um, but Juk Deng is somebody who has all the talent in the world to, to be a star in this league, and hopefully he can do that now. Quite in the league. Who made him think that he wants to be a star in the league already, and based on the first couple of weeks of the season, he will be. Um, Cam Oliver looks like he's going to be an exciting piece once he settles, settles into, into the league, and, and you've rewarded guys like some local guys from that have played in Cairns as well, who have banged down the door for a chance. I think it's fantastic that somebody like Anthony Fisher could get a chance in the NBA. Um, coming into the season, how happy were you with the squad you'd assembled? Yeah, really happy. Um, I think we have the talent to compete um, and also kind of the, the guy's competitive nature is good. And, uh, you know, it's uh, you don't always know the, the personalities totally when you recruit somebody, but the personalities have been really good. Um, lot of energy within this group so I've been really happy with uh, with the group and and their talent now we are young in some places and uh, and that energy can kind of flow up and down at times and, and we've seen that in games with big swings um, so it's it's locking down and uh, and keeping things together as a group and uh, and keeping that energy pointed in the right direction uh, that's key for us so uh, when we get that in the right direction I think we're going to be really good. Coaching stuff as well. How important was it to keep Jamie and Brad back again for a second season yeah. working with you? And also, you had, it, had someone young and enthusiastic like Lennon Smart, who's willing almost on his own back to fly across the country to, yeah. to join you in Cairns. Um, how, how happy are you with the coaching stuff you're working with? Yeah, I, I thought that was huge. Um, you know, getting to know Jamie and Brad better last year as the season went on and then uh, just building the trust between all of us uh, was fantastic. And then Lennon has come in with all this energy and uh, youthful enthusiasm and blends right in. So it's been uh, it's been great with that group. And, uh, you know, we challenge each other and uh, and challenge the guys. So it's it's good. It's where I, I think that was the one place where we did have great continuity, you know, other than Jared Kinney, DJ Newbill, and, and Nate Jawai coming back as players. Uh, we had to have continuity somewhere else or it was good to have it and uh, it's been really good with the staff. Touched on your family before. Um, first couple, of, first few months when you are in Cairns last year you were without your family which we talked about at the time yeah. now how challenging that was. Um, how good is it now that I mean 10 or 11 months now they've been settled in Cairns with you and yeah. I assume they're enjoying life there and are settling in nicely. Um, how much more settled do you feel as a family in Cairns 12 months off? Yeah, you know, we've, we've moved way too much over, uh, over our lives, I guess. And uh, probably in the last 30 years since I've been in Australia and back to the States, and um, it's been really good. It always takes about 12 months uh, to really get settled as much as you can like a place. Um, still takes you a while to feel like it's your home. And uh, Kansas has become that for us, so it's been really good. And we're, we're in a place we like. We're close to... The city and close to work, so it's it's been really good. And uh, you know, my my son and my daughter that are that are with us are enjoying it there and, and feel good about where they're living right now. So that's the most important thing. When when everybody's happy there, then it uh, 
makes it a lot easier for me to to leave early and come back late or go on the road and feel settled that way. So your other daughter is at Coit? Yes. My my oldest daughter Ashton's at uh, a senior at Westmont College. Yeah. How's she going at college and what's it like what's it like not having been through the college system yourself? Knowing that you're now in Australia and you've got a daughter that's that's back home in college. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, it's funny because she was born here in Australia, but then we went back for seven years to America, and everybody refreshed their accents and everything. But now she she kind of identifies with Australia, and uh, so she may come back here when she graduates uni and uh, and and do further study. So it's hard. It's hard for her being away from us. Um, we love having all three of our kids here together, but uh, but she's doing a great thing and enjoying life over there. So uh, yeah, we I guess we've gotten used to being travelers and having people kids go here and there and uh, and moving a lot. Your two youngest kids are they planning on going to college as well, or do you know what what their plans are? Yeah, my other my other daughter Kirsten, she's twenty, so she's working right now. Finished uh, finished high school, but she's uh, she's not sure what she's going to do yet. But she's she's enjoying work and making some money. And then my son Josh, who is in year ten, just loves hoops and wants to play ball somewhere in college. Uh, so yeah, he'll he'll continue to do that. And would like to go to the states and play, but we'll see what happens. The first few months when you're in Kent, when I spoke to you, you hadn't had a chance to get out and and, and see. The sites of the city and the region yeah. too much, and mostly because you were you're you're on your own. So I guess when you yeah. don't have anyone to go with, it's not a lot of fun. But uh, since your family's been there, and since you had an off season in Cairns, did you get a chance to explore a little bit? Uh, we're getting to, we're getting to see more and more. Yeah. A lot of waterfalls and forests around, so a lot of cool hikes and yeah. stuff. But uh, not as much as I would have hoped to do. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we'll get out to the reef and Fitzroy Island and see some great things soon. Um. When you reflect on your life, like you said, 30 years you've been doing a lot of moving to and from Australia to America, a lot of it. Um, could you ever imagine what your life would have turned out like growing up in, in California and, and making that move to, to Australia in the first place where I guess even the NBL was was probably beyond you at that point before you got your chance in the NBL a year or so later. Um, do you sometimes pinch yourself about the journey that, that you've had because it's something that... Yeah. In your wildest dreams, you couldn't have ever drawn up that it'll turn out how it has. Yeah. No, you know, I grew up, my parents are still living in the same house that I grew up in. So for me to have moved, you know, to Taiwan and, and then all over Australia and then back to America and back here, um, it's insane. But, uh, but I've enjoyed it just because every year I've been, you know, able to do something that I love. So even when I was, you know, I had six years playing at a lower level before I played in the NBL and. I just loved it the whole time. I was just getting to hoop, and uh, and when someone asked me if I wanted to come back, I would be like, "Yeah." We, you know, I couldn't believe someone wanted me to come back and play basketball. And then, and then the NBL happened, and playing and coaching. So, uh, no, I I couldn't have dreamed this up. Um, but I've just been really fortunate that my wife Annette has been happy to kind of uh, call Australia home, and and then America and back to Australia. So. Uh, and I say happy in quotation marks because some of the moves have been a little tougher than others. But um, but I just wherever my family is, that's where I'm happy. So uh, yeah, I've been very fortunate. When you reflect on your playing career, I don't know if you reflect too often because it's a funny one where a lot of players always say they won't reflect until their careers are over. But then your career, you went straight from playing to coaching. So I don't know if you had much of a reflection time. But when you do think back on your playing career, what things stand out? Oh. 
Yeah, you know, probably the teammates. You think of funny stories with uh, when you see a teammate or you or you hear about something. Uh, just just so much fun being with the boys, you know, when you're playing. And uh, and I also love the schedule because uh, now that I'm kind of working a real job, as I sit here in shorts and a t-shirt, uh, it's uh, you know we had a pretty good life. All you have to do is play basketball and. Uh, and be around your family and, and prepare again to play basketball. So pretty, pretty fun life that way. Um, and then just, it's unbelievable that I've been to every major city here in Australia numerous times um, and gotten to play basketball. And you run into somebody that you don't even know, and they say, oh, you know, I remember when you used to play here against Waha or Fisher or whatever. And those are fun days. I just remember some big time games and, and great competition, you know, ran into Matty Campbell the other day and he's talking about, you know, playing with each other uh, as teammates and then against each other in the championship. So yeah, some phenomenal memories um, along the way. And, and it just, I don't reflect very much, but when I do, I'm blown away by, you know, how fortunate I was to be on some of these teams. Do you remember when the first time you thought that, you can actually make a living out of basketball, of course. And, and how amazing do you feel all these years on that basketball has been able to be, be your life? Yeah, well, it's funny. I came out of college. I went to a small school, Westmont College, NAI school, and I had a stress fracture my senior year, so I played about half the games and had nothing coming out of college, like no job or whatever, and got to go play in Taiwan for, for what I thought was decent money, and it was all cash. Um, I, I couldn't believe it that I was able to save up a little money. Um, so, and then coming to Australia, making no money, I got grocery money that was uh, given to the my flatmate who owned the place where I was staying. That was my pay. It was went straight to him. So, uh, yeah, I always thought I was going to have to go home and get a real job in the states, and uh, I've been really lucky that I never had to. Um, as I mentioned, my co-host on this podcast is Sean Reddington. In some ways, it's a similar story yeah, to yours. Yeah. I know Nebraska's not quite California, but he came to Australia. He had to play in the Seawolf for a couple of years before yeah. he earned his, his NBL opportunity. And once he settled, he found a city like in Perth. He settled and has probably never thought about moving and probably never will unless it's for, for a basketball job. And he's been able to make basketball his life too. Um, yeah. Not sure what the question is I'm leading into, but it's a similar story. And... One thing I've noticed about this show is that if you bring him up when people know he's your co-host, it's, it quickly becomes a tribute show to Sean. Um, trying to get away from that a little bit. What, what pops into your mind when you think about coaching against Sean Redditch? Well, it's it's funny. We, we do have a similar story in that um, I think Sean was more high-profile than me, and, and then he, he really took off once he got his opportunity in the NBL and was just such a – well, he's a dynamic player, but also just a great teammate. And uh, so watching him, knowing that we had a similar journey and kind of cheering him on without really knowing him that well was, was kind of cool because uh, you always cheer for kind of the guy who has to work that, that much harder. And, and I think Sean was that guy a couple of times, one to get to the NBL and then to come back from injury. So, and then to be such a big part of so many special teams, it's amazing. So, yeah, he just, just the toughness, I think, in the uh, – I say that because I, I kind of laughingly talk about it flopping all over the place as well. Uh, but just, I guess, the toughness, the smarts, and the uh, and being a great teammate. And I think those are 
three pretty, uh, if you, if anybody's saying those three things about me, I'd be pretty happy. So it is a little tribute, but I think that's what I think of what I think of Sean. Absolutely hates being called a flopper. But reality, reality is he needs to realise that that's what he was. <laughs> um, just finally, Mike, thanks for joining us. Um, in terms of the tight pants for the rest of this season, what do you hope to see once you get to mid-February? What do you hope this team has been able to achieve? Well, you know, right here and now, I just want some consistency um, on both ends, offensively and defensively. So it's, for us, it's really simple just taking care of the ball and working for good shots offensively and handling pressure and then defensively hand, uh, applying pressure and uh, and finishing stops uh, so keeping those simple things in mind now by the time we get to the end of the season um, I want us to be consistently doing those things and having those uh, things done so that wins are piling up and uh, and it puts us in a position to make the playoffs Appreciate it, Chris. Huge thank you to Mike Kelly for his time there, and I hope you enjoyed getting to know a little bit about a man that I'm sure we we all admired when we watched him play. We can't help but like him when we see him coaching on the sidelines and talking on TV, but hopefully that provided you with a little bit more insight to to the man behind behind the coach and the player that that we've all seen. Let's keep moving moving on here on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Now time for the ID Athletic flashback of the week and where we don't have to head far back in time for this one. Mark Worthington, a West Australian great, even though he never played for the Perth Wildcats and he might have been hated by the Red Army for a lot of his career. He's very proud of his roots down in down in Bunbury and, and having come from Australind. He's now back living in Bunbury too and he'll be coaching the Southwest Slammers in 2020 in the in the state basketball league but what a what a career this man was able to produce from pretty humble beginnings in the in the south of WA he'd go on to play 335 NBL games split between the Sydney Kings the Melbourne Tigers the South Dragons the Gold Coast Blaze and then back where it all started for him as a development player he finished up at the Cairns Taipans won a championship with the South Dragons four times he was named NBL all for first team Represented Australia twice at the Olympic Games, won a championship in Germany as well, had a terrific career under Mike Dunlap at Metro State University, and now has moved into coaching a little bit. Um, spent some time coaching women the, in the women's side of things in the QBL, and he spent some time over at, in California at Loyola Marymount University. Um, Famous for for Damian Martin and Maddie Knight spending some spending their college career there as well. Now he, he's back home and keeps a very close eye on the NBL. A longtime rival of Sean Redditch. We'll get them together at some point, but for now, let's hope you enjoy my chat with with Wer, though, because I know that, that I certainly did. Mark, Mark Worthington, absolute NBL legend, obviously. Um, thanks very much for joining us, giving us a giving us a big hit here on on Hoop Seven's basketball hustle. I think a lot of people would have been pretty excited to hear you talk to Sean Reddick, given the history between the two of you. Um, when I first contacted you and told you that it was a podcast with Sean, um, what went through your mind? No, and there was no real thought to it, I think. Uh, the thing that came out of the wash once I retired was I respected Sean as a player for how hard he played. and uh, I mean, just because you don't like someone on the court doesn't mean you don't like them. Um, 
I'll respect them for what they did. And Sean was an unbelievable player for a long period of time uh, with the Wildcats. And me being a West Australian and probably one of the more uh, central figures for booing in, in Perth at Challenge Stadium or REC Arena, I think it just blossomed from that. And obviously a few hits here and there, mainly delivered by myself to him. But um, yeah. It was just all in competitive nature and competitive spirit. And um, I think when people will look back at it, they'll, they'll talk about our rivalry, but I think they'll both talk about us being competitive and doing whatever it needed to be done for our teams to win. Yeah, absolutely. One of the one of the favourite stories I've been able to write probably over the last couple of years was when in the build-up to that semi-final series where it was the end of, end of your career, you, you were playing, playing your last season in Cairns and... Obviously, obviously, Sean was going on to retire as well after that. And just getting to talk to you about how probably the rivalry wasn't so much a rivalry. It's something that was kind of manufactured from the outside. And given the fact that you're a bit of a lad and you like to go out and have a beer and Sean's almost the total opposite meant that you probably hadn't got to socialise with him that much. But it was probably just the fact that you played, you played similar positions against each other for 10 years. And then the fact that you're so similar in so many ways, I think you... At the time, sort of mentioned how the pair of you were probably the John Cena's of the NBL, where the teams you played for and the crowds you played in front of your home crowds loved you, but the opposition crowds just couldn't stand you. But in the in a way, there was a sign of respect because you both of you were, were just so good for so long. Is that is that kind of still how you how you feel about it? Yeah, look, uh, I've got pretty good advice from my old band really early on, and uh, I think it was the first time that I'd played in Perth uh, for the Sydney Kings and obviously playing for a Brian Gordon-led team at that period of time. Uh, anyone was going to get booed and I got booed as well and uh, a few things happened in that first game and I, I sort of liked me. I couldn't remember what happened but uh, I remember Dad coming up to me after the game and just said, when this crowd stops booing you, that's a good time to retire because you're not doing your job anymore. Um, and that sort of rang through. I mean, I think my last couple of years well, especially my last year, announcing it about two-thirds of the way through the season like I did, knowing it was going to be my last season. I probably got a little bit more adulation than what I would have got in many of the stadiums had I not said anything. Um, but for Sean and I, we were definitely the villains when we walked into a stadium. Uh, we both knew that we were good at what we did. We both knew that the opposition hated us. We both knew that our teammates loved us. Um and I guess at the end of the day, uh, the only people that really matter on your team are your teammates and the coaching staff are the people that are actually in the inner circle. I knew I had the full backing of my teammates and I knew Sean had the full backing of his teammates and team. And, uh, you know, we are polar opposites as people. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't think anyone could argue that we weren't good basketball players and we weren't competitive while doing it. Um, you talk about when the boo stopped playing in front of Perth and that's what happened in that last game. Is that something that is always going to be a pretty treasured memory? Obviously, you disappointed in the semi-final series, but to, to play your last game in front of that crowd in Perth and to get a standing ovation from the WA crowd, is that something that is always going to be pretty, pretty special for you? Absolutely. And, um, I think it's special in a, in a lot of ways that it was sort of like a signal of respect that I got at the end of the day. And I mean, I was up at the game on a Friday versus the Titans, and I was at the bar before the game and after the game and I got a whole bunch of free drinks so thank you to all the punters that uh, gave me a few free drinks. I was all talking about that game and 
that's what it was. And I had, you know, obviously a lot of great friends in basketball, whether it be Chris Anstey or Andrew Parkinson, that would, you know, said to me afterwards, like, they can't remember a send-off as good as what I got in basketball terms. And probably to this day, it's still the best send-off that we've seen in basketball, which is really special at the end of the day. And, you know, I was really appreciative of what the crowd was. I was really appreciative of how respectful the Wildcats were. Uh, Damian Martin, Trevor Gleason, uh, Matt Nielsen, and the likes, and how well I was treated in that last game and the send-off that I got. You know, even thinking about it now, it still sends a bit of a chill up my spine. There's another part of me that wishes that we'd won that game. And, you know, <laughs> I still <laughs> look at that year and how we did as a team and where we got to, especially in the last few rounds of the season to finish in second position when we were pretty much last three quarters of the way through the season. is pretty special. Absolutely. And I, it's probably one of my great highlights that I was there that night to, to see that send off for you as well. It was, a, it was a great moment and probably not quite a, a mic drop like, like old Alex Loudon dropped, dropped at the end, end of last year. But I, I think, like you said, it was a perfect send off, even as disappointing as it was. Now, you touched on the fact that you were. At, at RAC Arena last week to watch the Titans obviously deliver a, a massive win. Just give us a bit of an update on what brings you back back home to, to WA and what's it like walking in now as a, as a spectator in, in that building? I firstly have to thank uh, the greatest wildcat of all time, Ricky Grace, to, uh, for getting me tickets to the game. And uh, <laughs> it, was, it was surreal going there to watch a game for the first time as a spectator in an unbelievable stadium. I mean, as a player, um, and because I had a bit of inside knowledge, I knew that RAC Arena was purposely built for intimidation factors. And, you know, when you get fans going in Rolling Stones saying it's one of the best stadiums in the world uh, to play in for the acoustics and all that, you can really feel it down on the court. And then to be able to sit up in the stands and watch it was uh, really amazing. But the reason I'm back is... Uh, going to be coaching SBL this year. I'm going to be coaching my old team, uh, the Southwest Flammers, um, a team that I played for growing up before I went away to college and all that. And, um, you know, this is the first time in almost 20 years being back in WA to live and they struggled as a team last year with only one win. But changes need to be made and it's not the right place at the right time for me to be here and, you know, really excited for the opportunity ahead. I follow the SBL pretty closely, and it wasn't wasn't the greatest year, but it is a club that is used to success. You've seen the club have success, obviously, before you went away to college, and even when you were away, you, your brother was part of part of some some success at the club as well. Um, well. The location is probably the thing that makes it difficult to always attract players. But if you had, if you had to go back a couple of years, there was guys like like Clive Whedon, who's still I think he's still in town, Trey Nichols, and and Brian Vocal, and Michael Lay, who's obviously still in town as well. It's, it is possible to get some quality players there, and, and you would hope, um, with the fact that you're coaching, you'd be able to attract some, some good talent there because there is some, some pretty exciting young talent that's coming through in Bunbury that's, that's always going to be there. They just need that little bit of bit of help from some, some high-quality sort of, sort of recruits. Yeah, so we've got an open try out this, uh, this weekend on, the, on Saturday, um, which we're excited for, but... I made it really clear to the club that I didn't want to come in and blow a budget just to try and win straight away. Mm. I think it was really important to, 
make this uh, club sustainable for the near future, and that means that we have to develop our local talent first and foremost, and actually put time into the kids instead of trying to buy players to bring in and and dictate uh, court time, which they've sort of done over the last couple of years. So. Um, Myself and the coaching staff that we got and for the SBL panel that uh, familiar with it, having James Stitch on board, who's probably the greatest slammer of all time mm-hmm. as an assistant, and Aaron Edwards, who was a staple of the slammers for a long period of time, along with a few others. I think we're really trying to send the message of, hey, we want this to be a family club again. Um, and be that we're willing to put in the time with the, the junior talent that we have here. We will add one or two people to the to the mix, but overall, we understand that after a one win season, that there there has to be a lot that has to change around here. And for us, it's more so putting in our time into the development at the moment, and really looking for a plan uh, in about three years' time to actually implement as far as the Slammers really contending again. But at this stage, we know we've got an uphill battle and, you know, we're all up for it. But more importantly, I think, uh, you know, we've got the pieces on in place off the court to make this a reality now and really commit to this over the next couple of years. Yeah, and I think it's it's unbelievably exciting for the for the league and for basketball in WA that, to have someone like you back on, back on board, obviously. If you have a look across the competition, then we've still got people like... Aaron Traher and Mike Ellis coaching, uh, and people like Sean Redditch and Cody Ellis, and you know, we go through the whole. This Gap Cameron feels an unbelievable local player, Kyle Armour, um, Jared Crew. There's a lot of players. There's, there's a lot of exciting. There's a lot of reasons to be still excited about the SBL, even though obviously NBL one seems to be the next step in terms of the second tier of basketball. But then, you know, exciting young talent like like we saw, you know, Luke Travis and. Wani Swani local of last year. Marshall Nelson had an unbelievable season and still amazed he didn't break through to, to get another NBL contract. Twenty years on from when you last played in the SBL, are you excited to be involved in the league again? Yeah, I, I really am and um I've always kept one eye on the SBL. I mean, even when I had a bit of a stint with the women's league and the QBL, I'd sort of get a gauge of where the competitions were and for a long period of time, Seville uh, was the number one, you know, competition now known as the NBL one. But um, the QBL and the SBL have a lot of talent uh, on board and uh, are right there, just below NBL one at the moment. Um, but I think you're right, you know, the people that are involved with the name, like especially with the coaches' names and the people named and all that. I think it's going to be an exciting year for the league, and you know. For myself personally, it's about getting bums back on seats here in Bunbury mm-hmm. and making them excited about basketball again. And hopefully, building that uh, that team culture, that family culture again, and actually putting time into the local players and for them to be able to see that they're actually busting their ass every night mm-hmm. when we play, regardless of the score, I think helps uh, with that. But for me, it's definitely an exciting period of time. Uh, not only for the club, but also for me personally as I start my journey uh, as a men's coach. In terms of coaching, probably when you decided to announce your retirement halfway through that last season you played, did you always know from that point or maybe even before that that you wanted to get into coaching and now the last two years you've had you've had a couple of different, different roles, um, both, both obviously in Queensland and also back in, back in America as well. Um, how, is, how is coaching, the reality of coaching, I guess, stacked up to what you thought it might have been like? 
definitely get into coaching post-basketball. I always felt like I was an extension of the coach on the basketball court when I played. Um, as far as X's and O's and making suggestions and making reads on the fly. So I, I was never in doubt of becoming a coach. Uh, coaching the women's game, I think, really helped me because you don't really have that individual brilliance that will break out of a play to make a play for you, to make you look good as a coach. Mm-hmm. You actually have to run that and you get a feeling of what actually works as well. Um, and then my time over in Los Angeles, it was more understanding how to build a team from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And I was under Mike Dunlap, who was my college coach at Metro State, you know, uh, 17 years prior. And seeing the other side of it and learning how to deal with personalities and issues as they arise and always where to be looking next, uh, I think I gained a whole amount of knowledge uh, from that aspect that I'll take into this season. Um, but when I returned, obviously, it was nice to get into the commentary stuff and it was nice to uh, get in front of the camera again and actually just talk about the game that I love and, and seeing it from that perspective as well. And I think I'm still a couple of years away from trying to crack the NBL just because I think there needs to be that separation from the people that I played with or against in that period of time. One of the disappointing parts of what I guess the leaks decision was to change the commentary setup was the fact that guys like you are no longer behind the microphone. Is it, you know, how, how did you find that decision, first of all? And what have you made, I guess, looking now completely on from the outside on this NBL season, what have you made of the first, first three weeks of the season? Well, I, I know the commentary thing comes down to dollars and cents. And mm-hmm. uh, there was a decision made to call them out of Melbourne, which is, you know, to the discretion of the NBL. Um, you know, they've probably had their hiccups, but they're still early in the piece with all of it. And I think we need to give it a little bit of breathing room before we make total judgment on how it's all going. Obviously, there's been a lot of negative feedback to this point. My gripe with it is not using more ex-basketballers in the commentary and relying on AFL and NRL people. Uh, who are great at their jobs, but just aren't basketball people and that comes across in the coverage when they call a game with just the way that they speak about it. And, you know, probably above my pay grade, but I guess a lot of it is you've got to be able to bring in the casual viewer as well who may not know a lot about basketball, and so that makes them valuable, apparently. So that, that's my gripe on it. Um, this season is... <laughs> You know, shaping up to be one of the best seasons. I feel like we say it every year. Mm. Um, but the amount of talent that's on the court now is just incredible. And for someone like Melbourne United, the Owen Prayer at this stage, and mm. who would have thought that the Phoenix would be four and I, mm. I think they lose against Perth this weekend because I can't see a Trevor Gleason coach team, uh, losing two games mm. in, in a row, but it should be a great game. And, you know, someone like Cairn to come in to walk into RAC Arena to win by 23. It just shows that you just can't have a night off in the league because every team is capable of winning. And on top of that, we've got this great exposure thanks to Lamelo Ball and RJ Hampton to the States now. That's sort of plastering us on Sports Center and highlights and all that sort of stuff. So the recognition in the league has gone to a whole new level, and uh, I think the talent has too. It makes me happy that I retired when I did. <laughs> that's what that's what it does. Uh, I want to touch on that. Every time you speak to a player while they in the middle of their career, they say that they won't reflect on it until until it's finished. Now that you're a couple of years into retirement, have you had a chance to properly reflect on your career? And when you do, you have to be unbelievably proud of 
everything you did, not just in the NBL, but back in college, playing for Australia, even in Germany where you won a championship, you have to have to be unbelievably proud of everything that you achieved. Um, have you had a chance to reflect on Yeah, yeah, I think I think you do and um I think part of that reflection also makes you sad as well. Mm-hmm. And I've been fairly open about depression um post sport and uh that's definitely one of the things is you miss what you used to do for a living and essentially yes we're all basketball players but we're also entertainers on the weekend and getting that illicit reaction from fans good or bad brings something out of you um, and so when you do reflect on it I, I do look back on my career and think for, from a kid from Bunbury or from Australia I, I did have a pretty decent career in what I did um, so the other part of me still misses the game a lot um, from playing wise and if it wasn't the Injuries, I probably would have continued to play a little bit longer, but it probably would have delayed the inevitable and still feeling the way that I did. So, um, I think it, it speaks volumes to where the league needs to go to, needs to get to next, and that's player welfare and making sure that our players are being looked after during their career so they're ready to go and ready to hit the ground running. I talked to Greg Hire the other day who talked about having like over a hundred applications, job applications denied, you know, before he got something. And that's just something as players we just need to be better, more educated on, I think, going forward to make sure that we're we're okay uh, post post basketball. Absolutely. Um, I think it's an unbelievably great point. I hope that it, I hope that it gets listened to. I hope that these uh, these sort of things and the work that people like like Greg are doing to raise awareness for things, hopefully it really starts to take off. Um, we, could, we could talk for a long time, Bertho, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit upset that we didn't get you to talk to Sean, but it's a long season, and let's hope we can get you back on back on the show so we can have you and, you and Sean having a chat. But always a pleasure to, to get the chance to talk to you, and I know that there's a lot going on in your life right now. We talked about a lot of the positives, but um, being on the other side of the, of the country from your kids is never, it's never easy, so I hope that goes well for you. I hope you get, get obviously, to, to see them as much as possible. Hopefully all goes well on the on the home front for all the reasons that you've ended up going back home. And, and thanks a lot for joining us and for chatting to, to you again, Sam. I will definitely come back on when Sean's ready. I think he was a little bit scared today to come on, and that's why he didn't want to come on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, I look forward to having a chat with you guys, though. Big thank you to Wertho for his time there. Terrific chat, and I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks for bringing it to us, ID Athletic, West Australian-owned company. If you need your team kitted out in, in some basketball gear, then ID Athletic is where you can go. Already already providing uniforms for, for local clubs. Wherever you are across the country, get in touch, idathletic.com, and they'll, they'll well and truly take care of you. Free design service if you need your uniforms designed. From the moment you make your order, it's guaranteed delivery within four weeks. That's that's an unheard of service. Whether you're a social team, a junior team, a casual team, a work team, an official team, a state league team, whatever you are, get in touch with the team at ID Athletic. We'll, we'll have, like we said, we've promised a special competition to win a free set of uniforms for your club, which we will get up and running within the next week, and we'll let you know how you get into that. Also, if you get in touch with ID Athletic at idathletic.com, we'll have a very special offer. If you mention this podcast, just mention it and we'll make sure that you get a special deal. So 
Thanks again to ID Athletic for bringing us that flashback interview with Mark Worthington. Now, hitting the home stretch here on this week's basketball hustle, thanks to Hoops Heaven. And it's time for the fourth quarter. Not quite Sean's segment again. We're going 50-50 at the moment in terms of Sean hosting the fourth quarter and myself hosting it. But this week, had the pleasure of catching up with with Adam Ford, a four-time championship-winning assistant coach at the Perth Wildcats. Now the Sydney Kings for the first season. He's done a lot of hard yards to get to this point as a basketball coach. He's currently on the other side of the country to his 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 pregnant partner, so that's never easy. But caught up with Adam Ford as part of the fourth quarter on this week's Hoops Heavens Basketball Hustle, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for joining us here on the fourth quarter. Um, as we found out over the first month of this show, this is supposedly Sean's segment, but he's not always available for it. So similar to what happened with Damien Martin, uh, I've had to step in to the shoes and Sean's given me some guidance though so bear with me um, thanks for joining us first of all and hopefully life in Sydney's treating you well no well firstly thanks for having us and uh, yeah, the transition's been good it's uh, it's uh, slightly different uh, over here with a bigger city and uh, better public transport but uh, yeah the transition's been good the move to Sydney 40 what things stand out to you both in terms of living now in a different city and in terms of basketball what's really stood out to you as the big differences from a going from a club like the Wildcats to, to one like the Kings who have had a lot of change over the last six months for, for you to, to now be part of it. Yeah, I, I guess um, the the biggest thing from the basketball side of things has been that transition. You know, we've got, uh, um, you know, Chris Pongrass who's come on board. He's a new GM and, you know, he's doing an outstanding job and, and uh, being involved, I guess, more in the front office and the administrative side of things, helping out where I can. Um, you know, with Will coming in as the new head coach as well, there's in that transition of even his philosophy and, and his approach. You know, he's he's definitely more of a uh, a players first um, type coach. He, he's he's got a realistic approach, I guess, to making sure that you know we just don't cater to the players' needs on court. They obviously you know cater to the team's needs, whether it be you know making sure they get in their positions in a, in a, in a typical half-court set, whatever it may be, but also just catering to their needs in a sense that, you know, that they're happy, that they're enjoying it, that, you know, we're doing things to, you know, make them better. And, and I guess yeah, as coaches, I guess that talk of a big game, but don't necessarily follow through. And, and I guess from, you know, from Will's standpoint, that's, that's definitely a priority. So, you know, coaching that style and being involved in that type of environment with a new GM, with a new front office, and even transitioning to, you know, a new training venue where we've re- renovated the uh, the players' area, so the guys have got their own lockers, and uh, you know, I guess those type of things. That I mean, at Perth, you took for granted because that was always available at Bender. You know, you had the lockers, you had the offices, you had your desk, yeah. You know, those those things were just there, ready to go. Um, you know, everything's basically new. It almost feels, I guess, like a new club, new franchise, even though, you know, you've got the rich history that Sydney Kings have. And, uh, you know, and it's a good team. You know, the the fact that we're coming into a uh, organisation that has guys like Kevin Lish, Brad Newley, Andrew Bogut returning, and, and you add guys into the lineup like Didi and Casper and, and, and JT, um you know, it just makes for like a real um, exciting environment. And I guess it was also that, um, 
I guess it was that, you know, that, that newness is that given me that rejuvenated uh, approach. You know, it feels like a, it was a super quick off season and a super quick preseason for me, um, just because everything was so new and exciting. And, and I guess also that plays into the part of that other part of the question we said with uh, moving to Sydney, um, you know, it's bigger, you know, there's, there's a lot more going on here and, uh, I mean, I'm from Perth and I've got family back in Perth and my missus is back in Perth and, you know, being out here where I can just sort of, you know, just get consumed by my work and, and dedicate myself to that is is different. But, uh, no, I'm enjoying it. I, I think um, I knew I needed to get out of my comfort zone and, and coming here has done exactly that. Making a living out of basketball and being a basketball coach is is far from an easy thing. There's there's precious few jobs in Australia for, for basketball mm-hmm. coaches and you know that as well as, as anybody. You had some pretty humble humble beginnings in you and you certainly had to work work some, some different sort of jobs while you were still trying to find your feet mm-hmm. as a basketball coach and then obviously you, you got your chance at East Perth, you won a won a championship in the SBL and then you moved on to the Wildcats and had great success being part of four championships, but do you sometimes pinch yourself when you think back, you know, only only probably eight or nine years ago where probably just making a living out of basketball was a dream for you, but now, like you said, you look at look around you right now and you're at the Sydney Kings and you're working with Will Weaver and Andrew Bogut and Kevin Lish and Brad Newley and, and it's, a, it's a pretty incredible world. Definitely. I think um, the big, something I remember quite vividly still is the day I turned 30. And I mean, that's seven years ago now, but I, in my late 20s, I had a pretty good job and, you know, I was making a pretty good income. And I remember I quit all of that to make 30K a year uh, as a community engagement officer or something along those lines mm-hmm. at Basketball WA, just because I knew that was going to be my foot in the door. And then working at Basketball WA, I was able to volunteer at the Wildcats. And then on top of that, as I'm working a full-time job and volunteering, I'm also coaching at East Perth, which, you know, didn't pay a cent as well. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, I guess the one piece of advice I always sort of give everybody is, you know, you, you, you legitimately have to sacrifice and, and, and say yes to everything, as crazy as it sounds. And in this industry too, that's sort of what separates the guys who fantasize about wanting to be involved in this in this environment to the guys that actually, you know, do get into it. And then the craziest thing is, is once you get there, I mean, the hardest part of your job now is maintaining it and keeping yeah. it because there's always someone that sort of, wants your position and and that's natural too so you know once you've done all the hard work to sort of get there it's even harder to make sure you stay on top of it and 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 keep getting better and you want to keep progressing and uh, you know you know people love a winner as well so you know you've got to make sure you're part of a winning organization and you've got to contribute to that because you know that's 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 the livelihood we've taken on board so you know it's uh it's a challenging environment but it you know, it's, I, I definitely, I definitely wouldn't change anything. And I do. I look back on some of those days, those weeks. I mean, I went years without taking a holiday. You know, just because one, I couldn't afford it at the time, and secondly, I didn't have the time for it. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's. I guess that's the difference between really wanting to, you know, make a career out of it and maybe just fantasizing about it. Am I right in saying you were a prison guard before you decided to make that jump? Yeah, I did case management. It was um, shift work. So uh, in Bevo's last year at um, the Wildcats, 
Um, I was working at Basel WA and, and they weren't super keen on me committing so many hours to the Wildcats in a voluntary role, yeah. even though I was more than making up the hours doing the 6 a.m. NITP clinics and then working till nine at night doing the, you know, the shooting stars programs or whatever it may be. I, I had to make a choice and I go, okay, do I want to keep going down that route of maybe being in an administrative side of basketball or do I want to coach? And so I, uh, I quit, uh, I, yeah, I quit basketball WA and looking for shift work, uh, the prisons was, uh, mm-hmm. believe it or not, uh, one of the better paying jobs mm-hmm. that was, um, you know, um, allowed me to do more basketball just because you get a 12 hour shift at a certain time, it allowed me to commit to the two, three hours to go down to the Wildcats practice in the morning. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty full on year as well. You mentioned the sacrifices, and you mentioned that your partner's still back in back in Perth. There's a bit of a running theme on on this episode where I, I, I had a chat to Mike Kelly, and when he first moved back to Cairns 18 months ago, now he had to spend the first six months there without his family because they were still in Melbourne. And also spoken to Mark Worthington, and and his ki- his kids are still back in Cairns, and he's now obviously back in Bunbury. So sometimes the sacrifices you make for basketball certainly affect your personal life too and I'm sure I'm sure you and your partner are, are hoping to, to reunite sometime pretty soon. Yeah, definitely. And I mean to add to that too, Kylie's back in person and you know, she's due in March yeah. during the, the final series. So, you know, I feel like, you know, it, it, you feel useless at times because, you know, she's obviously gone, she's doing all the legwork, you know, <laughs> during this pregnancy period. And uh, and here I am over in Sydney just living the good life of coaching basketball and, and getting, a, you know, getting a good six hours sleep in each <laughs> night where, uh, you know, she's feeling a little bit more miserable. But yeah. uh, I guess the good thing, uh, I, I can't speak for everybody else, but, when you have such a supportive network around you, um, you know, and Kylie's been super supportive and, and my parents and, and, you know, my entire family and people around me that it makes that, you know, it makes that easier, you know, when, especially when you have to be away and, uh, you know, you can't underestimate how much that actually, you know, helps not only motivate you, but helps you get to those goals because, uh, yeah, it is a huge sacrifice, but, um, you know, they, they make it all worth it. Touching on that championship you won in the SBL at East Perth, um, Drew Williamson, Kyle Armour or Tom Jervis, which of those three could have you still won the title without? Without having? Yeah. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, the, the, the beautiful thing about that team was, you know, we didn't have the full squad until the tail end of the season. And that was just purely based on a combination of injuries and, and you know, Tommy's commitment to the NBL season and, and everything else. And so, you know, when we all did come together at the end, it was a perfect storm where, um, you know, we just we just went through all that final series and, and got the win. But, I mean, I even look at, like, Sunday was on that team yeah. and, and Sunday went one of seven in the grand final series. But his his impact on the defensive end and, and getting some stops and rebounds was still massive, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, uh, yeah, I couldn't. It's like trying to trying to describe, <laughs> decide which is your your favorite child. I don't, I don't think I don't think I could I could pick one without. Now, obviously, you didn't get the chance to speak to Sean, but this is still Sean's podcast, um, so I couldn't go without asking something about Sean. Um, as an assistant coach, working with him at the back end of his career. When you think back, the Sean Reddish that you saw from the outside before you worked with him, and then you got to work with him, what did you see as the major differences to what you expected, to what what the reality of, with Sean was like? It might be a bit of a cop-out from my end saying this, but 
I guess what you see and what you assume is definitely what you expect for mm-hmm. sure. And and everybody always knew, everybody always talked about his business like approach to basketball and how he always got better and, and dedication he'll put in. And I mean, a lot of people talk about being like a gym rat or a gym junkie and, you know, they like to say these things, but, you know, the reality is it's probably far from, you know, what they like to advertise. But with Sean, it, it was exactly that. He, he, he was a guy that put in the extras, even in the final year of his career, you know, he put in all those extras. And uh, the one thing I guess I learned to appreciate more working with Sean than what I knew just like, from being on the outside beforehand is the margin between his good game and his bad game is smaller than every, anybody else yeah. I've known. You know, guys can have real good games and have real stinkers and, and you know, maybe the extremes are a little bit bigger for some than others. But the difference between a real good game for Sean and a real bad game for Sean wasn't a lot. So, you know, you only get that from putting in, you know, you know the unseen hours and the, and the relentless work. Um outside of training and outside of games that only Sean could do. You know, there was always a story that I remember Nick Marvin telling that, you know, there was after a game um, on the road uh, where it came down to maybe three throw shots. This is before my time at Perth. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, Sean maybe missed one or two crucial three throws that would have been the difference between a win and a loss. And sure enough, you know, they, they fly back and, um, you know, he's down there and his wife Gretchen's rebounding for him <laughs> and he's making 500 three throws after getting off the plane, you know, after getting that loss wherever it was. And I remember Nick telling me that story and, and you almost sort of think that was a bit of an urban legend type, you know, story, you know, but then working with him and being in that environment and, you know, Sean just doing Sean things, you learn to appreciate that. No, this is, this is legit. Like this is actually him you know, being a professional basketball player and him being the example for guys like Reese and, and you know, Greg and, and all the, and Tommy Jervis and all the young fellas coming up on how, on the approach of how to look after your body and, and how to eat right, you know, and how to manage your time and, and how to do all the things to prolong your career. You know, Sean is the perfect example of that. And I know I'm pumping him up a little bit more, <laughs> but I guess that is what I've learned to appreciate more that you sort of knew that, but then when you finally work with him, you, you recognize that, yeah, this is this is the real deal and it's, yeah. it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and it's amazing that three years into – well, two and a half years into his NBA retirement, he's played three seasons in the SBL and that work rate is still the same. It's just it's – just, it doesn't have to be, but he just doesn't know, know any, any other way to a minimum. Um, but, but, Forty, we could, we could keep chatting, chatting, chatting all day and definitely hope to have you on, on again and hopefully, hopefully we can connect you with, with Sean as well to, to have a chat so you, so you can catch up as well. But, but for now, thanks very much for joining us on the fourth quarter. That's awesome. No, I appreciate being on. Thanks again. Okay, Sean, thanks to Adam Ford for, for that and for being part of the fourth quarter segment. Um, it's your segment, Sean. I hope you, you'll be able to have somebody for us for us next week. I think it's I think it's a really good way to find out some different things about different different people. So thanks to to Forty for being being part of that. And now let's move into the into the round four preview. Plenty of matches to look forward to. Thanks to Devlin's for for supporting this segment. Simon Devlin, a long time passionate Perth Wildcats supporter, but he's much more than that. He's got a very successful business. Devlin's for all of you. All of you. If you're if you're a man and you need something. To, to deck out your house, to, to to deck out your clothes. If you want to feel a bit better about yourself, if you want to get a cigar, 
check out Devlin's online or check out his store in Subiaco and, and he'll be more than willing to, to take care of you. But let's move into the preview, Sean, and it all starts on Thursday. And this game could very well be the most watched NBL game in history with so many people around the globe tuning in to check out Lamelo Ball and RJ Hampton taking on one another. But in terms of the two teams, New Zealand Breakers hosting the, the Illawarra Hawks. It's a it's a massive one that they both desperately need to, to get the victory. Yeah, they do. And, uh, you know, New Zealand sitting 0-2, the Hawks 1-4. and um, You got to think that both teams will be desperate. I think, um, for me, I think New Zealand is going to get that one. I just think that they've got too much firepower, and I think Corey Webster is due for a big one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Scotty Hobson is uh, is a, an elite player in the league as well, and an exciting one as well. So, I'll be, I'll be interested. The world's going to be tuning in. Mm-hmm. RJ Hampton, LaMelo, it's probably going to be the most watched game in the USA, especially by NBA scouts, so it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. Then on Friday, we've got a, we've got a terrific doubleheader to, to look forward to. It starts in Adelaide with the 36ers hosting the Cairns Taipans, both of them coming off really good wins last weekend. This one, this one should be should be a cracker. Yeah, you've got to like Adelaide's chances at home. They've always been tough. Um, not sure Cairns can shoot the ball as well as they did two mm-hmm. games in a row, but they are going against Adelaide, who's known to uh, increase the pace and not worry as much about the defensive side as mm. the offensive side. So um, it could be a shootout, and uh, I expect Adelaide to come away with that win. In the second game on Friday, Perth Wildcats, they don't lose two games in a row at home too often, but they host the South East Melbourne Phoenix, who have yet to taste a defeat in the NBL. This this should be a terrific game, and I know that you're back court side for, for, for the, the TV coverage as well, which I'm sure you're looking forward to. I am. You've got two of the top teams in the competition going at it. Obviously, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix is, is a surprise team this year. And it's also the pink game yep. for the Wildcats. So they're going to be wearing their pink jerseys. And, you know, it's a little bit more emotional than, than your normal game, obviously, for breast cancer. And, and for those that don't know the history with Trevor Gleason and his wife, who battled breast cancer twice and and is doing fantastic now. But there's there's a lot of emotion in the game, and I think the Wildcats really take a lot of pride in that one. And obviously going against the Melbourne Phoenix, who are are undefeated. Can they shoot? It, this is a test for, for Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Obviously they've had some good wins in Melbourne so far, but can they come and do that in Perth? I expect the home team, the Wildcats, to uh, rise to the occasion in this one. But I think it's going to be a close one. Then on Saturday, we've got another doubleheader. Starts off Melbourne United, New Zealand Breakers. As we talked about, United just can't afford to continue to lose. I'm pretty sure Casey Prather's still out, so they're they're desperately missing him. The Breakers would have already played on Thursday. Played at Melbourne Arena. What are you what are you expecting? Well, Melbourne, you know, they're gonna be in at home. Obviously, New Zealand Breakers having to travel makes that a tough one as well. And just the desperation of United, who many think are the are the most talented team in the competition. So You've got to like Melbourne United's chances there. Um, but whenever you've got a Corey Webster who can break a game open, similar to Chris Golding as yep. well, you, you can't discount New Zealand Breakers. The second game on Saturday, Sydney Kings hosting Brisbane Bullets. The Kings still undefeated this season. The Bullets, they've, they've lost their last couple and they've looked like they they just don't quite have the chemistry right in terms of probably their, their import mix right now. So... Time will tell if they stick with with probably Braun and, and Singler or if they're too similar. But what are you expecting in that game on Saturday? 
Well, we've got probably Sydney, who's the best defensive team, and Brisbane, who's given up points left and right. Mm. So it's kind of uh, – you, you always kind of go with defense in that one. Um, Brisbane's going to have to try and find a way to kind of fix those those defensive lapses and woes that they're having in games, giving up so many points, especially from the three-point line. And uh, anytime you got Casper Ware, Andrew Bogut, Manning the middle, mm-hmm. and uh, just clogging everything up, it's, it's going to be tough for Brisbane. Uh, but they're going to have to play out of their guards. They're going to have to get a lot of production from their point guards and then get a little bit more from their imports as well to be able to compete. But, you, but you've got the Kings? I've got the Kings, yeah. Sunday, South East Melbourne Phoenix, pretty short turnaround from playing in Perth on, on Friday, back home to play the Adelaide 36ers. And you're talking about points this game could have. These two teams could b- combine for 240 points if, if they both get going. <laughs> yes, that will be exciting. Let's uh, just a three-point barrage <laughs> from South East Melbourne Phoenix. And you know Adelaide just likes to push the ball and, yeah. and, and get layups. So it could be a threes versus twos competition. you got to think that, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix and and also playing Mitch Creek playing against Adelaide as mm-hmm. well is going to be a, an interesting one. You got to like uh, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix chances and the way they're playing, especially being at home, is uh, should help them in that one. Also on Sunday, Illawarra Hawks host the Perth Wildcats. Um, the Hawks might not like coming to Perth, but generally they play pretty well in Wollongong against the Wildcats. I don't think they're without a chance in this one. No, I don't. I think you're right. I think Illawarra is tough at home. Their shooters seem to shoot better there, feel a little bit more comfortable. They've got a couple more days rest or one more day rest than Perth, who has to travel. And it's always a tough road trip because not only do you have to fly into Sydney and then drive to Illawarra, Wollongong, so it just makes it a tough one. And, you know, you see that whenever Illawarra comes to Perth. They, they really struggle at RAC Arena, but vice versa. So I actually expect Illawarra to get this one on a Sunday, being a little bit more desperate mm. um, for that one as well, knowing that, they're all, you know, if they're sitting one and five, their season really could be on the line. Last game of the round, Monday. Cairns Taipans finally back at home. They It's been more than three weeks since they've played played a home game. They host Melbourne United and Mellow Trimble back, back to Cairns where he played last season, adds add some extra spice to this one and... It's a it's a tough one to tip. Yeah, Monday night game in Cairns. I'm not sure they've had too many of those, but mm. uh, we'll we'll see what the crowd support for for a Monday night game is. But yeah, you're right. Um, Melo Trimble back to uh, where he was playing some fantastic basketball for Cairns. I'm sure they're not too happy. He's uh, in a Melbourne United uniform. I, you know, I like the way Cairns is starting to play. I'm I'm going to go with Cairns over Melbourne in this one. That's our round four NBL preview done. Check out our social media accounts for for Sean's tips and and keep track of how well he's doing so far this season. Certainly, if you need some some guidance, Sean's the, the man to do it. Even if you might have might have missed one last week, I think he's still going pretty well. So thanks to Devlin's for sponsoring our preview segment. Thanks to ID Athletic also for for being a sponsor on board, and and of course thanks to our major sponsor Hoops Heaven for bringing this show to you once again. And yeah, we're, there's plenty to look forward to this weekend, Sean. We're excited to see you on TV again on on Friday night. What are your final thoughts that you're most looking forward to that you can leave us with? Look, I think it's in a round that's going to start to really make the season for some of these teams. You know, Adelaide and. And Cairns and Illawarra, obviously Adelaide's going pretty well, but especially Cairns and Illawarra are really going to have to find some wins here pretty soon to stay within that top four. So 
expect them to play a little bit more desperate than you would at this stage in the season. And uh, can they get back on track? Bye, have a great time.